You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Ward. And, Jackson, you, you're you coming straight from uh, having a, a, a gauntlet of covering all kinds of different practices, not only Fresno <laughs> State, but th- three other universities. Uh, am I hearing that correctly, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I'm here in Fresno and I'm covering Fresno State. I've been to almost every practice in camp, but there's been a few times I've had to run to the Bay Area uh, that covered practices for Cal and Stanford and San Jose State for 24-7 sports. And uh, the other weekend, I hit five practices within two days. I uh, went down <laughs> to, I saw two San Jose State practices, a Stanford and a Cal, and I made it back in time for Fresno State, who had their night scrimmage. Uh, so I only missed one walkthrough <laughs> for the Bulldogs while catching all those practices and, and making it in time for the scrimmage. So it's been a hectic month. Uh, it's been nonstop, uh, but we've uh, we're starting to phase into season mode now and learned a whole lot about the Bulldogs over the course of this month. And uh, time to break down. Yeah, it's uh, you've you're you're getting quite a feel of what is going on. Uh, not only at all these other universities, but Fresno State, you're able to kind of see what's going on because you've been out at a lot of these practices. Uh, and what's your what's your overall feel so far uh, just from the atmosphere of being out at these practices? Uh, do you think those Bulldogs uh, are looking ready? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, just kind of trying to get a feel for what's going on. And it just it seems like it's kind of business as usual, which – you know, it doesn't come as a surprise given all the players that are back and Coach Tedford's back. But, you know, nine times out of ten, maybe 99 out of 100 times, when you're talking about a coaching change, uh, usually you have a full off season of massive changes. And a big part of it is just the players buying into the new coaches and trying to, you know, feel each other out and, and see if, you know, they're going to, be able to, to give it their all for those coaches. And if the coaches can get it from their players, it's, it's harder than it sounds for a lot of schools and programs. But it seems like just from day one that Coach Stepford was hired, the players were all bought in. There were just a, a very small portion of the team that wasn't familiar with Coach Tedford in the short time he was gone that uh, didn't take too long to convince those guys either. Um, and, you know, that part is kind of a given. But the Bulldogs did hire a bunch of new coaches this offseason that we know in the red wave, but that these players don't know. Tim Skipper, uh, Jethro Franklin, uh, Kevin Coyle, guys that either played or coached here well before some of these players were ever even imagining themselves playing college football. And the reception has been mutual between both groups. So the players have bought in uh, due to Coach Tedford and the relationship the staff has, and the coaches uh, have not really had to <laughs> go the extra mile. Uh, get this team moving uh, they've all talked about how much the players love football and you just see it on a daily basis at practice i mean it's moving smoothly uh the first week or two you know you definitely notice the 40 plus newcomers on the team you know when you were in the spring you had the veterans all back and no basically no newcomers a few and everything was clicking on all cylinders first couple of weeks of fall you noticed a lot of the freshmen and some of the other newcomers trying to find their way a little bit of rest but 
Uh, now that the Bulldogs have two scrimmages under their belt, that's been knocked off very well, and they're really narrowing it down to the two deep. So um, it feels like they've accomplished most of what uh, was needed to get done in camp so far, and they've got a few more days to put the finishing touches together. Now I'm kind of curious to to find out, Jackson. How are these newcomers that are you know all these newcomers coming in? How are they dealing with this heat from Fresno here? <laughs> Do you see a lot of them going down with cramps and stuff? Um, you know, it's it's been a mix. Some days have been worse than others. I think it's you know as much triple digits as we've gotten in this camp. There have been a few pleasant days and. Um, at the same time, the team also practiced a little later this fall camp. It was a little later in the day than we're used to seeing them practice, and now they finally dialed it back to 8 a.m. or so with the classes starting up. So it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. I think that it's when the practices are longest. That's when you see some of the, uh, the players they're kind of uh, having a tough time. There's been a couple three-hour practices that were tough. Um, they have a halftime and they eat some fruit and stuff to refuel. And the coach said for a new thing, I don't recall ever seeing in fall camp, uh, is that he had quite a few night practices as well. So they got to go under the light, get used to that, avoid the sunlight for a few days. Um, so they've tried to mix it up so it's not too bad. But I do know there's been some players that are, uh, <laughs> they've had to deal with that heat. There's been some jerseys swapped out midway through practice because they're so soaked in sweat. And cleats that have had to be exchanged for so a couple guys with some sweaty feet. <laughs> but uh, what I've heard, so uh, they're they're still getting used to it. But uh, now that things are dialed back, should be a little more routine. Yeah, they just need to embrace the heat because it's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> um, I know that's been an advantage for the Bulldogs uh, in the past years with uh, opponents coming into Bulldog Stadium. Uh, we we should probably expect a little bit more of that uh, going into this season as well as we've got some, uh, some teams coming here early on in the season. Uh, that's going to work to the Bulldogs' advantage, right, Jackson? Yeah, you would think so. Uh, they get Cal Poly in. I know it can get pretty heated over there in San Luis Obispo. Um, they've got Oregon State coming to town. I've heard also it's been a little hotter in Oregon than normal, but um, I mean, it's going to be a little different in Bulldog Stadium. Uh, and then, you know, Fresno State doesn't have another home game for a month after that. Uh, it should be a much different climate by that time. So hopefully uh, they cash in a little bit on these first two weeks. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to be a. Uh be something to, to watch for as, as how the Bulldogs and the other teams are able to to get acclimated because uh, l- I remember last season, Jackson, when Connecticut came to town, probably one of the hottest days uh, of all of the last year. And uh, there were times where the temperature uh, near the field was reaching about 136 if you were taking a temperature of the field <laughs> itself. So that's definitely going to be an issue uh, if you're, especially if you're getting tackled on that field. You've got to feel that heat down there. Um, but you know your overall takeaway so far, what you've been able to kind of gather just by watching what's going on at uh, the camp when the coaches and Bulldogs. How are things developing? What are your your instant takeaways from from camp? Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest takeaways has just been on the lines. I mean, we've been tracking the O-line and the D-line probably more than any other position in our uh, daily reports on the VIP board. Uh, if you are not a member, you can join for just a dollar and catch up on all that real quick here before the season gets going. But 
the O-line, it, it seems to have shaped together pretty quickly. Uh, and the key player that has been a part of that is Jacob Spomer. He's a junior college transfer. Uh, probably the guy we talked about the least out of the older newcomers on the O-line because Anthony LaFrance was the highest rated guy of the junior college recruits. And he has left the team already after a few practices, uh, not, no longer on the roster. Uh, Jacob Isaiah, transferred from Michigan State, you would think on paper, probably the, the best addition. He's competing, and he may play. He may even start, but um, Spomer has definitely made a, a greater impression early on. And then there's also Daniel Tamalolo, who came in in the spring. Uh, he's done a good job as well, but he's been dealing with a little bit of injuries in camp, probably a second-team guy. So uh, Spomer really rose to the occasion, especially because Dante Bolden practiced for about two weeks. Uh, pretty missed the entire first two weeks with the issue coming off of an off-season procedure. And Spomer was, was the left tackle. And uh, up until about the time of this podcast, um, he, still made, he still maintained the position of the first-team left tackle because Bull is still working his way back to speed. So um, we knew uh, Bula Schmidt was probably going to be the starter at center. Mose Vavaro back at guard. Uh, you figure once Bull is healthy, he'll be at left tackle or somewhere one of the tackles and that Spomer will likely be the other so um, you've got really one question mark on the O-line and uh, they might have to work that out a little bit Braylon Nelson's been a first teamer all camp at right tackle and there's been a bunch of guys on the interior fighting for that last spot Uh, so once Bullock gets back it it might shuffle things and there's going to probably be an odd man out but you feel pretty good about at least four spots I would think and You've got Coach Saga Tuatele, who has really you know, changed the approach. He's a more of a veteran coach than what the Bulldogs had before. A little more of a, a drill sergeant coming from Army with the guys in the drills and then demanding a little more from them. And, of course, you've got Coach Tedford, who is just a master offensive mind and game planner. Uh, you figure that old lion is going to come a long way this year, or at least, at worst, be as good as they were last year, which was good, but left you hoping for a little more. And then on the D-line, there's also just been a ton of, of players fighting for open spots. Of course, you've got Leonard Payne back at tackle. You've got David Perales and Isaiah Johnson at end. And it's pretty much been a free-for-all on the rest of the line. Uh, I will give props to Devo Bridges, who has really impressed. He's played both end and tackle. I expect him to play quite a bit this season. Uh, but other than that, you've just got a ton of guys that are still battling for spots and uh, it may take a couple of weeks for that too deep to really solidify itself there. Yeah. It just seems like there's a, there's a whole lot of uh, movement going around, especially when you've, you've got all these kinds of newcomers coming in and in particular, Jackson, you know, who are your standouts so far? Because there's a lot of new faces coming to, to, to the Bulldogs. There's obviously got to be a few that, that are sticking out to you. Yeah, I spoke about him already, but Jacob Spomer, just to expand a bit on that, I mean, he just about from the third or fourth practice, he rose from new guy, people didn't know a whole lot about, to being on that first team. It became evident real quick. He's only listed at six foot two, which is not really what you would expect at left tackle or even right tackle, but he does have really long arms, and he's just, I mean, it's a gamer. I mean, he plays very well, he moves his body very well those long arms he's able to seal the edge and not get overpowered by uh, some athletic ends so I mean he has been just a revelation for the Bulldogs I mean just exactly what they needed 
from this class with someone to come in and establish themselves as a starter on the O-line, give him a little bit of an upgrade, and looks like he's going to be the guy. Just the question is, is he going to stay at left tackle? Is Bull going to be back soon? And maybe Spoon removes the right tackle, or how they approach that. Still some questions there. Uh, the other big one uh, that deserves a lot of credit and notoriety for the camp performance is Gabriel Lightfoot, the freshman defensive tackle. He might just start for the Bulldogs on opening day. Uh, I did mention this. I mean, after Payne, there's probably another five defensive tackles that are going to get a shot here in the opening weeks. And I'm not sure if there's a clear number two out of that group that's going to start or guys that have really established themselves as second teamers quite yet. But uh, Lightfoot's going to play. Uh, I've confirmed that with defensive coordinator Kevin Coyle. Lightfoot is going to play quite a bit. And um, I would not be surprised again if, if he starts as a true freshman on a defensive tackle. I mean, it's hard enough to start as a true freshman. It's more difficult to start as a true freshman in the trenches. And it is especially difficult at defensive tackle and Lightfoot to add more difficulty to the path that he's overcome. I mean, he is especially young freshman. I believe he might only be 17. If he's 18, he just turned 18. He's got to be one of the youngest guys on the team. And you would not know by just looking at him. He's six foot three and 315 pounds. He's as big or bigger than just about all the other tackles, uh, save for maybe Leonard Payne. And, I mean, he, he's ready to go. So, I mean, that was a huge get for Fresno State. It was a three-star recruit, came out of uh, Centennial High School in, in SoCal and didn't have a ton of offers, but uh, the Bulldogs were after him early. It was Fresno State, Nevada for most of his recruitment. A few other Mountain West schools, Hawaii, San Diego State jumped in there, but uh, the Bulldogs really prioritized them, and it looks like they just hit a home run in the, the scouting department with him. Um, and I've got a few others I've listed uh, in a premium story about some of the newcomers that have impressed, but those two really are the standouts and the ones that definitely deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, and just like every week, uh, there's going to be more and more opportunities for uh, more of these newcomers to to really establish themselves, especially with the new NCAA rule, right, Jackson, where uh, these players have up to four games to to kind of get acclimated and play before they need to decide whether or not they're going to get redshirted. Uh, so that could ultimately give an opportunity for one of these players to solidify themselves as the potential starter uh, and maybe leapfrog a few players, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, you know, especially on the D-line, that's one where the Bulldogs do have five true freshmen. I think Lightfoot, maybe one or two others are going to get a shot, and it could be whether they play the first four games and they decide, well, you know, maybe not ready, or some of the other guys are a little more advanced, we'll redshirt you the rest of the way. Or you approach it where you just say, you know, we want to get these guys on the field, but we're not going to use them that much. So pick out four games for them to get some reps in that, you know, play as reserves and get a little experience under their belt that way. Um, and uh, in addition to what I considered to be the top standouts, I also talked about some of the uh, future newcomer standouts in my report. And one I wanted to touch on was Jalen Moss, because he's a guy that might really fit what you're talking about. He is, uh, was Fresno State's top ranked recruit. He's a wide receiver out of the Bay area. And he has lived up to all the expectations. But the Bulldogs are really deep at wide receiver. They've got about eight, maybe nine returning players or you know, one transfer that's coming. Nico Remigio is in that mix. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, they're just all proven. They're ready to go. You know, they're still fighting for reps between each other. So it's going to be tough to justify getting Moss on the field as a true freshman, whereas most Fresno State teams in the past, if they had a freshman as talented, he would play. Uh, so he's one of those guys I would expect probably gets to get suit up, play a couple reps if the Bulldogs are way ahead or you know, if someone goes down or needs a break, uh, he might get a, a chance to, to see a little bit of field. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to watch just how he develops because there's a uh, a lot of good young talent on this team, and it's a team uh, that is ranked up at the top to to really finish, uh, basically to win it all in the Mountain West. Jackson, if we're if we're looking at what the projections are, uh, do you still think that is a possibility for the Bulldogs after what you've seen so far in um, in fall camp? I certainly do. Um, you know, there's not been a lot of concerns coming out of camp thinking, you know, sometimes you have certain expectations and you see the team at work and saying, wait a second, you know, I got to temper my expectations at this position or with that player or something like that. But the Bulldogs just return so much and there's so few questions that need to be answered. And the questions that are in play, um, a lot of them seem to be going well. As mentioned, the old line, I feel you know, it may not be the huge overhaul improvement, but it should be uh, decent enough improvement to let this offense do what it does. Um, the D line as well. Uh, excited about the players that they have to work with. I, they do need to probably figure out the two deep in the first couple of games at a couple spots. But I like the options that they have, and you know, really, only a few couple of questions are we haven't seen the defensive scheme at work in the game. I think personnel-wise, they've got all the players to be really good. So as long as there's not a, a meltdown with the scheme, they should get by. Um, I, and I would never expect something like that to happen with uh, such a veteran defensive coordinator like Kevin Coyle and the assistants that are on the staff. I anticipate that scheme is not going to be an issue, but uh, we do kind of have to wait till the games come around to see it in action and really see how good this defense is going to be. Um, but I think really the only thing that can hold this team back from being at least the top three team in the conference, I mean, there's going to be some make-or-break games on the schedule, Boise State, San Diego State, um, in terms of getting and winning the conference championship, but uh, really depth is the only concern for me. Uh, do the Bulldogs have a quality backup quarterback? Do they have enough running backs? If Jordan Mims can't go for a full season? Uh, those are some things that could affect the Bulldogs but other than that I think they have the roster to make a really good run this year and that's not saying much we really expect them to it's just how big of a run is it going to be are they going to go to USC and get that win are they going to win on the blue turf against the Broncos and maybe put together a New Year Six resume or at the very least be Mountain West championship contenders I think you can feel pretty good about the team being somewhere in that realm and not disappointing below at least being a West division title type of team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I believe this team does have a lot of the pieces in place in order to make a run, uh, not only at the, uh, the mountain West uh, championship, but possibly make a run, uh, even deeper. If they can get past these first few games, uh, the Bulldogs should be in great shape to, to really make some noise this year. 
however, you know, you've got Oregon State coming to town, and and then the Bulldogs are heading to USC, um, two teams that are they're not just going to roll over for the Bulldogs. So it's going to be interesting to see just how they're able to handle those two games early on in the season, and if they can come away with wins against both of those, uh, then everything is on the table for the Bulldogs uh, moving forward, uh, which could be very fun to watch this season if the Bulldogs are able to put together a kind of season that uh, a lot of people are expecting them to do. Now, Jackson, so far this season, you're, you've been out there watching them, and right now, if you had to pick a couple of players as your most improved players of fall camp, who would those players be? Yeah, um, First, a shout-out to a couple of guys that got scholarships this offseason and have um, lived up to that expectation in camp. And I'm going to have a, a free feature here. You know, Most of our fall camp coverage has been exclusive to VIPs um, this camp, but I'm, I'm going to try and get some free stories out here as the team moves on from camp to game week. And one of those is highlighting the walk-ons that now are on scholarship, and those guys include offensive lineman Osmar Velez, tight end Jake Baus, and Nickelback, Maurice Norris. All three of these guys are local. Uh, Baus and Norris went to Sanger High School and then went junior college and are now at Fresno State in their second year. Velez is from Bakersfield area, um, has been on the team for several seasons now, and is, hasn't played a whole lot, but has always been kind of on the fringe of that first team in practice. Uh, so those three guys, uh, I mean, you can kind of consider them to be uh, just as involved as you would expect the scholarship players to be in terms of spots on the two deep. Um, they, they have really proven themselves this off season. Um, one that is a already a star that I think deserves some recognition for improving is uh, Evan Williams. I mean, he has just had a tremendous camp. He, him and Jake Hayner have been going back and forth all camp long. Hayner with the big play with Evan Williams with the pick one day to the next. And I mean, these two guys just feel like they are kind of the, the stars and the captains of their respective units on offense and defense. And I mean, just a, a really, I mean, well, Williams has been good for a while for the dogs, but it seems like he's really taken a step this year. He's working with coach Coyle a lot, who has a extensive NFL background and coaching defensive backs. And I think that's rubbing off a lot on Evan Williams. And he might have one of those Philip Thomas, Deron Smith kind of a years for Fresno State if the ball comes his way enough. And one more I'd like to recognize is some one of my guys that have impressed me the most is Charles Remlinger. He also came in uh, going back to the previous group I discussed. He's a walk-on on the team currently. He plays on the track and field team. He's a thrower, uh, shot put, and discus, and that kind of stuff. And um, he has really, uh, really adjusted in his second year in the program. Um, he is looking a lot more like a valid option for the Bulldogs at defensive end instead of just you know someone that kind of made their way onto the team as a walk-on and was kind of feeling that out last year. Now he's really taken a step forward. He may even appear on the depth chart that we're going to see on Saturday. Um, so that's been the I, I would say a group of players on this team that weren't necessarily contributors or on the two deep that have really stepped up and are now in that mix or on the fringe of that mix. And that's really important because you know you're going to have your returners. You know you're going to have some transfers, the JUCO guys that should step into some roles. But to have players from within your team that maybe you didn't expect to fill some roles that are 
and are doing it legitimately, not just because you're lacking depth. I mean, all four of those guys that I mentioned outside of Williams are going head-to-head with transfers and junior college guys and returning players and winning some of those position battles. So uh, that's um, uh, something to be hopeful for. There's a few other guys that kind of fit that bill too. And um, looks like they're getting a lot out of some players that maybe weren't expected to be on that depth chart going into the season. Yeah, it's interesting to watch just how these players are starting to develop. Uh, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a good season for the blogs as they try and develop all that depth that they need. Um, and now, granted, there's a lot of new faces, and there may be a few moving parts here and there throughout the season, but for the most part. The, the Bulldogs look like they've been able to kind of solidify some of the question marks that they've had uh, going into camp. And what's your what's your takeaway on that? Have they have they accomplished what they've been trying to do? I think at a lot of spots. Um, I think, as mentioned, the O-line seems to be on the right track. The D-line as well um, seems to be headed in the right direction. Special teams, which, you know, it doesn't get a lot of talk, but John Baxter's here now, and he has really lived up to the expectations in terms of coaching that the special teams unit. There's been a lot of extra time dedicated to that. And from everything we're hearing, uh, they're expecting big things on special teams and uh, expecting to break some of the, uh, the cold spells in terms of the long times without kick returns and blocked kicks. And some, some of those numbers that Fresno state's not used to seeing in terms of droughts and some of those stats, they're really expecting to put an end to a lot of that. And to do it early, uh, they expect to have some big special team plays within the first couple of games. And that would sure be exciting and an extra jolt. And there truly are three phases of football. And the Bulldogs, uh, there's been a few areas in that third phase they haven't gotten a lot of uh, contributions from in the last couple of years, or you might even call it the last decade. Uh, so that's exciting to see. But there are still a few questions still to go. A big one that's been a discussion for over a year now is the backup quarterback position, and it doesn't feel like that's been resolved yet. Um, maybe on Saturday when we get Coach Tedford's press conference and the depth chart, they will declare a number two. But from everything I've heard up to this point, it's been a even battle yet again with Dalen Henderson and Logan Feist, as it has been for all of 2021 and now 2022. The Bulldogs brought in Matt Robinson, the transfer from Illinois, they brought in a, a three-star true freshman who was actually the highest-rated prospect of the entire quarterback unit in Joshua Wood. And they also have Alec Trujillo, who was a three-star recruit, spent some time at San Jose State, went junior college, came back to Fresno State as a local guy. And they have all gotten a shot to compete as well. Uh, but it does feel like Fife and Henderson continue to lead the competition. And perhaps if um, one of those two guys can't earn the trust, maybe – Robinson slips in since he's got a lot of experience or at least relative to those two younger players. Robinson started a few games in the big 10 and um, you know, I, there would be a lot of reason for if someone needed to step in in the Coliseum or against Oregon state in the middle of the game, why he might be the most poised of the players, but uh, it does seem like Henderson and Fife have led the battle in terms of who's going to be number two and who's getting those reps. And, Again, they went through last season not naming one of those two guys the backup on the record, and they might not have to this season either if neither of them needs to go in. So that's a big question mark. The running back room is still a pretty big question mark after Jordan Mims. I do believe that Malik Sherrod, the returner, 
uh, a guy that has um, seen a little bit of action in the past and has impressed in camps. Looks like he's probably going to be the next guy up after Mims, but there's still going to be roles to fill. Uh, Simi Bakari and Javon Bigelow would be anticipated to be in that mix as well. And, I mean, those are, are really the two big ones for me. Um, O-line and D-line, there's still some things to sort out, but feels like we have a pretty good idea of which direction those ones are going. Yeah, and those are usually the ones that take the longest to kind of figure out is what you have on the O-line and D-line. Uh, sometimes you don't know until you actually get into uh, game day, and that's when uh, everything becomes very apparent as to who needs to be in there and who needs to be pulled out. And so that may be kind of one of those where they have to kind of wait and see what they have up against real uh, real opponent uh, against those players. So, uh well, yeah, this is one of those instances only game time will tell us. Um, but other than that, Jackson, uh, you know, we've we've talked about all of the new players coming in and how they've been developing. But with that, there's always the chance that some players may think it's time to go. And of course, Jackson, is there any news as to any players deciding that they are just going to go elsewhere? Yeah, the Bulldogs have lost two players in camp. As mentioned earlier, Anthony LaFrance, who was quite a uh, highly ranked recruit out of junior college. He had spent some time at Weber State before that. Uh, just made it a few practices, no longer on the roster. Um, on defense, Joshua Pacola, a transfer from Stanford. Um, we thought he might be a potential replacement at defensive tackle. He was last listed by the Cardinal at 315 pounds. Um, but he was previously a defensive end, and he came to Fresno State with a defensive end body at 260. Um, didn't seem to get a lot of opportunities early on, and he's also left the team. And there's uh, one other transfer portal entry that came in this week, Tito Chikiri. Uh, he was on the team in the spring as a gray shirt. Wasn't on the roster uh, for fall camp, but was still in town and uh, in the program one way or another. And uh, he's going to go ahead and try to find uh, a new home somewhere else. Um, he was a three-star recruit in the 2021 class, suffered an injury in his senior year. Um, so those are the three. Um, the Bulldogs currently have 108 players on the roster. You're allowed 110. So maybe we see a late walk-on or two show up here uh, late and before the season gets going. But other than that, uh, they've been able to handle the few losses pretty well and um, doesn't seem to impact what they had planned as of the first few days of practice. Yeah, that's uh, definitely comes with the territory. Uh, players at this point will decide uh, whether or not uh, it's time to go. And obviously there are a few that who uh, for one reason or another decide to go. And uh, all we can do is uh, for the Bulldogs is, co- is continue to move on and, uh, and try and, uh, and fill those, uh, those spots as, as time goes on. Um, and, Wish those players all the luck in the world wherever they go. Um, but other than that, Jackson, we're going to go ahead and and start to kind of switch gears because as of as of today, as of this podcast, our very next podcast, we're going to be heading right into football season, the the first game of the season, which will be available next week. So in an, in anticipation for that, Jackson. Uh, as we start heading uh, into the opening game, what are some of the things that you're going to be looking for as we get closer to, to game day? 
Yeah, and so as I've mentioned a couple of times, uh, make sure I get this clear for uh, some of the fans that, uh, you know, they follow on Twitter Monday morning when Coach Tedford has his press conference and we, we get some information for the week. Uh, since the game's on Thursday, they're going to have that press conference on this Saturday, the 27th. Um, so it's a weird day for news to be coming out and all that, but Saturday we'll have the press conference with Coach Tedford. We'll learn the official depth chart, I assume, Typically, that press conference is when the game notes come out and they reveal the first official depth chart. Um, we'll get some further clarification from Coach Tedford and uh, kind of solidify some of the last questions we have. And he may leave some other questions open. You know, there's some positions they might not confirm or it'll say or on the depth chart between the two. Uh, but otherwise, um, you know, game week gets starts on Saturday. Uh, the team will be practicing earlier in the week and. Our interviews will come earlier in the week as well. And so, um, you know, we'll get focused towards Cal Poly here pretty quick. Uh, the Mustangs, they, I mean, it was, a, it was quite a blowout last season. I, I don't see a lot of reason why it won't be again this year, but uh, we will definitely be taking a deeper look into Cal Poly, seeing what they have to offer and uh, how the Bulldogs will match up in this one compared to last season. Rare situation where they're going to play the same team at home two years in a row. Uh, but Cal Poly filled in for a, a game that Fresno State had to move, and uh, they'll be coming back to Bulldog Stadium. So, um, fortunately for Fresno State, looks like this FCS matchup is going to be another favorable one. Um, you know, most people look at FCS games and think it's going to be an automatic win, but it's really about which FCS team you play. There's a few that are pretty dangerous, and just feels like Fresno State never plays any of those teams. So. Uh, another situation like that this year. Yeah, it's uh, and and you also have to remember uh, there have been times where FCS teams have beaten, uh, you know, the the <laughs> Division two teams have beaten Division one teams before in the past. Uh, look at Appalachian State, and so you can never take any opponent uh, lightly. Um, and, you know, especially one that's from your own state, because a lot of these players that are, are going to Cal Poly are players that felt that they probably got slighted uh, one way or another uh, by by one of these universities, especially Fresno State, who didn't even offer. I mean, if you think about it, Jackson, <laughs> it's a little chip on their shoulders, right, when they come into Bulldog Stadium? Yeah, yeah. I believe uh, even Chris Coleman, a former Bulldog, is, was recently named one of their team captains. And while Cal Poly didn't put up much of a fight last year, he did score the touchdown for the Mustangs against Fresno State. Uh, and so he's just going to be one of the examples of, of the guys that uh, are especially close to Fresno State. There's going to be a lot of Valley guys, but he's going to be an actual former Bulldog that is going to be looking to have one more good performance in Bulldog Stadium. Yeah, so it's uh, it should be, if anything, entertaining at least <laughs> uh, for the fans that, that, that do attempt to show up uh, in this heat. Now I believe this is going to be a night game, right, Jackson? Yeah. So they're going to line up on Thursday night, uh, a little bit of an odd one. Just typically open on Saturday and uh, especially if you're playing an FCS team, but the Bulldogs were able to get this game on national television. It's going to be on FS1. Got to kick off at seven thirty on Thursday night. Uh, it's got to be one of the only, especially for a group of five team to be playing an FCS school. Uh, these types of games don't usually get on national TV. The last several for Fresno State have been streamed online, I think on Facebook, by stadiums. So 
they did pull out the stops here to get this game on national TV. There's a lot of national interest in this Fresno State team. And now you just hope that as much as the red wave as possible will uh, take advantage of getting this game in on a Thursday night and then having the rest of Labor Day weekend to kind of do what you want and not have to dedicate your Saturday to Bulldog football. And as of today, we are looking at a temperature on Thursday of 105. So <laughs> that that is going to be at its hottest point, which should be around 4 o'clock. So I'm anticipating uh, by, by kickoff, you're looking right around, what, 99, 100? <laughs> no, it's not too bad. <laughs> nah, nah, it, should be, it should be just fine. <laughs> we'll go find a, a little shady place to go uh, hunker down until the sun kind of hides behind the stadium a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not an 11 a.m. or noon kickoff or whatever it was. <laughs> like a Connecticut noon? Yeah. I mean, that was ridiculous. Uh, I think they learned their lesson and they don't want to do that again. Um, but as of, uh, you know, that being said and, and heading into to, uh, this opening game, before that, you know, we've we've got high school coverage where we start to tr- kind of tr- track our recruits for Fresno State. I had the opportunity of heading out to one of the games for a couple of Fresno State recruits last week uh, at Buchanan, uh, played at Veterans Memorial, and they were playing against Bakersfield, uh, the Bakersfield Drillers. And I'm going to tell you that right now, Jackson, I didn't really get a chance to see much of uh, Jaden Randall, the quarterback who's committed to Fresno State. Um, it was kind of a one-sided affair. Uh, ended up game 56-3, to I believe, uh, by the end of the game. And there was a whole lot of running and not much passing, but the passes that Jaden did do uh, did complete uh, were uh, two or three very long passes uh, that were very accurate and very deep. Um, and so he did impress me on that aspect. And he does look like uh, he he has a good uh, vision of where to go with that ball. And uh, basically, he's built like a linebacker, if, you, if you're asking me, Jackson. Uh, the last time I saw a player built like that uh, takes me back to uh, David Carr almost. But I'm not going to compare him to David Carr. <laughs> let's just let, let's just get that right right now. I'm not comparing him to David Carr. I'm just saying he kind of has the same build as Derek Carr, uh, David Carr. So uh, if if things go right for him, he could be a very good player, a very big pickup for the Bulldogs. Uh, what do you think, Jackson? Uh, you've been able to kind of kind of take some notes on him so far. Yeah, Jaden Mandel, he's really impressed. And I know he's really caught the eye of the Bulldogs. Um, you know, he did not have a previous offer before Fresno State pulled the, tr- the trigger on it. And he committed real quick. I mean, he's got a big background with the Bulldogs. Um, but it's been interesting to see some of the scouts, especially here at 24-7 Sports, dig into his film. And, and uh, I mean, he rated very high for 84 uh, for a guy that, um, wasn't all that well known on the recruiting scene in terms of um, some of the other quarterbacks in the class and guys that have more offers. I mean, they think pretty highly of him. And, and this senior year is going to be a chance to really impress uh, to a, a further degree. You know, he's had time he's focused on baseball in the past. He's had times where he uh, had a little bit of injury uh, as a quarterback at Buchanan. And now he's fully healthy, ready to go. And if Friday was any uh, any sign, I mean, he's in for a big year, uh, and that Buchanan team is in for a big year as well. So 
Um, I mean, I'm uh, really impressed by Mandel so far, and the good news for him as well is that no one has really emerged as the heir apparent to Jake Hayner on the roster right now. Uh, so he's going to have a chance to come in next season and uh, fit right into that competition. Yeah, and and I also want to mention that I did say J- Jaden Randall, and I meant Mandel. <laughs> it's it's one of those days today. Um, but uh, yeah, he he's definitely one of those players that uh, I'll, I'll be following a lot this season. Uh, hopefully, to get a lot of highlight footage that we'll be able to post on uh, our premium boards for our uh, premium subscribers, so that they can uh, they can kind of get firsthand of what we are talking about uh, of this quarterback. So uh, as I'm able to kind of build more footage on him, we'll, we'll be sure to uh, get that posted for you so you can take a look at it. Now, there's another player on Buchanan who also is, uh, has received an offer from, from Fresno State. Uh, and I, I don't know, I might, I might kill his name here, Jackson, but Logan, it's either Stute or Stutt. Not really sure which one. But I'm going with it. <laughs> he plays at the linebacker position for Buchanan, and I'm going to tell you right now, Jackson. He was wreaking havoc on the on defense against Bakersfield, so much so that at one point or another, uh, other players uh, from Bakersfield were were trying to get him riled up to hopefully, you know, get him ejected at one point or another. Uh, it's that's how much of an integral part he was to that defense. And they were, they were trying to get under his skin a little bit, but uh, ultimately it backfired as you can tell on the scoreline uh, 56 to three. But he is also another player who has a high energy, high motor all the time on the field and very fun to watch. So if you haven't had a chance to see him uh, he's, he's, he's a good player. And I know Jackson, you were able to kind of, take a little bit in on, on one of those little uh, camps that we went to. Uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on, uh, on Logan there? Yeah, we were at that Clovis showcase and uh, I don't mean to discredit the other participants in that camp, but he was just seemed to be head and shoulders above uh, the rest of the field. Maybe one or two other guys uh, as well, kind of in that mix. But I mean, he was just, the, the top athlete there and it wasn't a whole lot of team or you know nothing with pads or anything but you could just tell from his the way that he's built uh the way that he was running through drills uh just a very impressive looking athlete got to see him again in sacramento and that's where the washington huskies became his second offer um as you'll remember there's <laughs> a bunch of former fresno state coaches uh that watched him over the last year that are at washington now and they offered him as well, not long after the Bulldogs offered him. I expect, uh, I mean, he's only a 2024 recruit, so he's got another year after this one still to go, that he is going to be one of the top prospects in the Valley. Uh, if not already, uh, by the time it's all said and done, he's going to have a lot of offers to pick from. But uh, the Bulldogs have gotten off to a good start. They were the first offer. He's good friends with Mandel, and uh, they've got a chance to maybe bring in two really, really big stars from Buchanan. Uh, to the Bulldog roster here in the next couple of years. Yeah, those players are definitely going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'll probably end up watching them quite a bit this uh, this season um, as I start making my rounds at, at high school games. And uh, if you see me out on the field, you'll notice me. Uh, I've got a big old blue camera uh, set up, so you'll you'll see me walking around on the on the field there. Uh, say hello. 
Uh, yeah, I'd love to meet you. And of course, Jackson, we're he's always willing to to talk to the fans out there. If you see us walking around, just uh, let us know that uh, you enjoy listening to the show or or the the barkboard.com. Um, we like hearing that. It it really goes a long way when we know that the the fans out there really enjoy what we do. Right, Jackson? Yeah, it's been pretty neat at, at the Bulldog Stadium now, Valley Children's Stadium. Um, you know, I covered the team for several years, and I've spent most of the time in the press box, and, and now I've got a pretty good photo camera set up, and I'm going back and forth, walking through the steps to get from the press box to the field, and between the seats and between the some of the fans making their way around the, the stadium at the bottom, right outside the field, I usually get a lot of hey, Jacksons, and conversations spark up and it's pretty neat. I didn't think I would uh, get that kind of uh, reception <laughs> at a Bulldog game, just doing my job. So that's pretty cool. And I really appreciate that. And it's always fun to put uh, faces to names on the usernames on the bark board. I uh, know we don't probably don't want many of those publicly known, but it's cool <laughs> for me to make the, the connection with some of you that I know uh, anonymously to, to put a face to the name. Yeah, it's always fun to kind of meet the people who are are powering our boards there and and kind of keeping the information and the conversation going all the time. Uh, so it's uh, it's always a treat when we're able to kind of meet uh, one of the faces and and go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense now. now yeah, I can see the face to the name now. <laughs> it, uh, but and then there's others where we're looking at them going, oh. Well, that came out of left field, but okay. <laughs> but it is uh, it is fun uh, to meet people uh, on 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 a constant basis, and uh, you know Jackson's become quite the little celebrity uh, over there. So I kind of just follow behind. <laughs> but uh, Jackson, that being said, as we get ready to wrap up this uh, podcast, any final thoughts? Anything that you would like to to share with the fans out there? Yeah, again, if you're not on Barkboard VIP, I've uh, got some chances for you to get back on there. Uh, just a dollar for your first month and 30% off a year. We have been really centralizing our coverage uh, for fall camp into daily practice reports. Each one of those things has been like 1,500 words to 2,000 words, sometimes more. I think the first one was 3,000 words of all analysis and the interviews. There's usually like three or four video interviews from every practice and uh, feature stories that are tucked into that uh, daily practice report other than, you know, the a tip, uh, separate story. So, I mean, that's really been the place to be for all your fall camp coverage and all that information is still very relevant. Um, last couple of days, they've really tightened up things in practice. So we haven't had that opportunity starting to work on some other features, like some uh, featured interviews and some uh, rookie report feature going to knock that out here over the weekend. Um, but you can definitely, if you're behind or if you haven't been a member at all, uh, get on there. You can catch up. You'll have enough content and posts to look through on the insider board to keep you busy for all day long. <laughs> if you want to read everything, that's going to take you a while, but you'll learn a whole lot about the team there. And then as far as game week goes, we're almost here. Saturday again is going to be the big day. We get that depth chart. We have that press conference and we really get into game mode. So. I mean, it's almost here, uh, creeping up quick. And as soon as the Bulldogs, hopefully they take care of business against Cal Poly. And then two of the biggest games in Fresno State history are, are on the line when you think about what's on the table for this game, but also conference realignment with 
Bulldogs hoping to be considered for the Pac-12 or maybe the Big 12. I mean, they're going to get Oregon State at home. They're going to go to USC. Big chance for the Dogs and the Red Wave to make a big impression on a level further than just winning a game. Uh, so uh, it's going to be big here the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be covering it uh, as in-depth and as inside as uh, you're going to find anywhere else. Yeah, and uh, yeah, don't even get me started on conference realignment. Uh, you know, we could sit here for another hour just talking about that right now. <laughs> but there's definitely Bulldogs have a, a lot of opportunities opportunities this season in order to try and uh, and solidify themselves as a top contender uh, for conference realignment. Should that uh, be something that's going to continue? Right now, it just seems like there's really not much going on. However, there is a lot of chatter happening as far as conference realignment is concerned. What is true? What is fake? Who knows, Jackson? We'll find out sooner or later, right? <laughs> it's it, it's uh, not something that's uh, very apparent at the moment. But, uh, but like Jackson said, this is the Bulldogs' opportunity to kind of make, uh, make a name for themselves and an opportunity to possibly make a jump if, uh, if given the opportunity. Now that being said, if you want to reach for uh, look, if you want to find Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And if you haven't done so already, head over to Facebook and give our page a like. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of things are are posted, and join that community there as well. And as always, if you're not a part of thebarkboard.com, you're missing out. Head over to thebarkboard.com. We've got both free and premium uh, subscriptions over uh, over at the Barkboard. Uh, but the premium subscription is where you want to be at, and it's really not that expensive. So give it a try. You will not be disappointed. As always, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>